doldrums only continue. And a continuation from the Astros series in the fact that the Yankees just strand a whole boatload of base runners. They go 3-for-26 at runners in scoring position in this three-game set. And they leave 29 runners, uh, 29 runners left on base. They strike out 38 times. They go 0-for-8 with two sack flies with the bases loaded. And it all leads to them losing 2-of-3. In a series that we said, not that I thought it would happen, but you're honestly looking for a sweep. And so now you lose two series to the lowly, lowly 2023 20, Chicago White Sox. This is a bad White Sox team. Make no mistake. This is, I mean, their record now sits at 47 and 69. But the Yankees are no good. I mean, the Yankees are 59 and 56. They are now five out. Uh, on the lost side of the Blue Jays for the final wild card spot. Hell, they even sit four back on the lost side of the Mariners, who are outside the playoffs. So you have, you know, not including the Red Sox, who technically the Yankees are behind, but like you have two teams that you gotta, you know, go through. It's just it, it becomes dimmer and dimmer by the day, by the series, and you know. They suck you in for a split second, but not really. I mean, at some point, that isn't going to happen anymore, where it's like even wins. And it's starting to feel that way as it is, where wins don't even feel like anything. It's like, okay, they're just going to lose tomorrow. And how many times have we seen in a three-game series, you know, specifically, game one loss, game two win, game three loss? That seems like that's happened quite a bit lately. And so I talked about a lot at the beginning of the season how the Yankees were winning rubber games. And it is crazy how the Yankees got to lead baseball in terms of just being in rubber games. In other words, the first two games of the Yankees series seemed to be split. And what was helping early in the, let's say the first two months, specifically April, but really the first two months, is that they were winning the, that third game quite often. Now that those tables have turned completely. And so now the Yankees are 1-7-3 in the last 11 series. That one series win against the Kansas City Royals. And their last series win before that stretch was against Oakland. So the last two series win are against Kansas City and Oakland. The two worst teams in baseball. The Yankees, when it's all said and done this year, might very well finish under 500, which would... And that streak of them being over 500 in every season, uh, starting with the 1993 season. And, you know, according to Bob Klapish's report today, no surprise, Brian Cashman's going nowhere. And so that, that, that gives you a hopeless feeling. Aaron Boone very well might get fired. And look, that's all well and good. It's not going to change much. It's not going to change much. Sure, could it kind of rally the troops in year one of voting the managers. Yeah, you see that sometimes. I'm not so I'm not so much I'm not sure if it's so much a thing in baseball. I know you see it a lot in hockey. Um baseball I'd have to think about. Maybe it does, naturally. Um but you know I, I think that that might be what happens if this continues. And even that's not a, a sure thing. What I, what I came away with from that article is that it's more likely that things stay in place than things, you know, get blown up. And that's how Cyberner, who might be the biggest problem of them all. I mean, I would say Cashman, but Hal's the one that's enabling this. So, you know, for, and again, for nothing to be done at the deadline is just malpractice. Either buy or sell. I personally would have sold. 
and I know there wasn't much to sell, but I think about someone, for example, like Labor Torres and some of these high leverage relievers. You could have gotten something decent back for them. And I know that is kind of waving the white flag for 2023. I would have been okay with that. And then you bring up prospects and you hope it goes well. Look, nothing will be like what it was for 2016, specifically Gary Sanchez, who, you know, even though things blew up with that, he was special and it made for just an enjoyable end of the season. You know, Aaron Judge was a part of that, but he wasn't good. He just wasn't. Aaron Judge was, you know, if we're being honest, like, yeah, he was bad uh, in that 2016 last couple of months. But you had Sanchez. There were some other things going on there. And so like, it was actually a very enjoyable end of that season. I'm not saying that would have happened here, but I want to see Everson Pereira be called up. I want to see Austin Wells be called up. Look, we might see Oswald Peraza. Now, let, let, let's get into housekeeping. Let's start with more recent things and work our way back. So, and I haven't even, have, have I even brought up Luis Severino yet? I haven't even brought him up yet, which is fucking crazy. Um, because that motherfucker, you know, love him for what for what he's done previous to the season. You know, all, all, you know, when all is said and done. But this season has been an absolute nightmare. And the Yankees keep on trotting him out there. Even though he's been so bad. And I know that the Yankees are thin on bodies for starting pitching. But he simply cannot be out there anymore. I don't know many, I don't know many times I, I have to say this. You try to win games, you don't pitch Luis Severino. It's it's a case closed situation. But getting back to you know some injury stuff, Lemayhu ends up being a late scratch for Game Three with um, with calf tightness. So that could be an IL situation. We'll see. I mean that that's just a guess on my part. Um, I'm not like going on a limb here, but look with Josh Donaldson. That was a IL situation, and he ended up being out for a while. They thought that it was going to be a minimum stay, and then he ended up being out for a couple of months. So, you know, with DJ, it would almost be fitting for him to end up on the IL. It seems like that's just been destined to happen one way or another. So we'll see. We know very minimal information on that, so who knows? And so that could lead, if that does happen, I would think Oswald Peraza would get the call to take his spot. And then Carlos Rodon ended up going on the IL. Rodon, uh, with that hamstring tightness, I think is what it was termed, uh, ended up on the IL. He's hoping it's the minimum 15-day IL. I say leave him there as long as possible. He wasn't pitching well anyway. Let him recover. I mean, again, with him, you know, it's a six-year contract, so make sure he's right. You know, make sure he's right. Um, and if we don't see him again this season, I'm fine with that. Like, it just, it's been a failed season. He's not going to turn it around at the last moment. Like, it just, it is what it is. I'm trying to think if there's anything else roster-wise. Um, Nick Ramirez came back up. Oh, um, Lewis got activated from the 60-day IL. No surprise, Johnny Brito was sent down at the end of, after the Astros series concluded. And the Yankees actually designated Davey Garcia for assignment. So talk about a situation where, you know, in 2020, there was so much hope and uh, he actually was good in that weird season when there was no fan, 60-game season. He really was good down the stretch to the point where, you know, him getting pulled for Jay Happ in Game 2 against the Rays was highly criticized, and deservedly so. And he really fell off a cliff, and it's kind of funny. And it, it, it's not an indictment on anyone, but, like, it's funny. Like, at the time, Clark Schmidt was someone who, you know, I think was recently coming off of Tommy John surgery, but, like, Davey was kind of ascending quickly. Clark was a guy who was a first-round pick. And it took Clark Schmidt a few years to really, 
I guess I'd consider last year's first productive season, but even that was kind of a weird sort of back and forth from Scranton, more in the bullpen and then as a starter. Um, and now we see he's really finally coming along, but it's just funny how, like, things change. I remember thinking, like, wow, like, in that, uh, I guess they called it camp, summer camp. I'm not, I forget what it was called, but, like, Davey looked better than Clark. Um, and, and now here we are, David Garcia, total abomination, uh, designated for assignment. I'm already talking way too much about that. Um... Yankees White Sox. Let's get into this series. Unfortunately, um, this was a carryover from Game One, uh, the, the last game of the Astros series. So I'll say this one thing about the Yankees, and I don't mean to sound like Aaron Boone, is that they are now um, they're drawing walks. They are getting more runners on base. It feels like right. Like I'm not gonna look it up, but I, I have to think that the Yankees on base percentage is probably better than it had been. You know, in previous months, weeks, whatever you want to call it. It just seems like they are getting on base. And I say that lightly. But the inability to get runners home is just baffling. Um, and you know, The Yankees just can't get a big hit. I mean, sure, when the sample size is big enough, we'll talk about a big hit that, for example, or, that, for example Isaiah kind of falafa got in game two. But the Yankees were 0 for 8 with two sack flies with the bases loaded. That That's completely unacceptable. And just loads of strikeouts. Um, look, Laz Diaz is a big story of game one, I'll be honest. But it still falls on the Yankees to not get it done. But Laz Diaz was about as bad as you could possibly be. And I know Angel Hernandez wasn't good in game three, uh, game four of the Astros series. Laz Diaz was worse. And with Angel Hernandez, some of the things went the Yankees' way. With Laz Diaz, it was very pro-White Sox. And Aaron Boone got ejected, and it was very comical. Uh, and he actually imitated Laz Diaz. Boone's always been good at like the imitations, dating back to his time as a Sunday Night Baseball ESPN announcer with the batting stance imitations. But he was really good on this. Um, yeah, with Laz Diaz. And, and look, I don't blame Boone for getting ejected. It's kind of interesting when he did get ejected was when Volpe uh, struck out looking, which it was actually that was actually a strike. So I, I if it were me, I would have gotten ejected after the DJ LeMahieu. Uh, strikeout. I think that was in the seventh inning, sixth or seventh. Um, I think it was the seventh. But either way, Garrett Cole in the mound, and Garrett Cole. This game just sucked. I mean, game three sucked also, but game one sucked. That Garrett Cole. At least he should have ended up giving up like two runs in seven innings. But unfortunately, like Tommy Canely comes on and kind of fucks that up too. So everything kind of went wrong. So Garrett Cole, who was leading the uh, American League in the ERA, is now in second. At a 2.75 V, right? And I think he might have had a streak going. He hadn't allowed more than, like, I mean, like, in terms of the four runs he allowed, it was, like, the most he had allowed, I think, since the game that Rizzo got hurt versus the Padres at the end of May. So he had a streak going. Um, and he makes one mistake in the second inning to Andrew Vaughn. That was it. I mean, look, like, that's what it was. And for Cole, he was pretty pitch efficient to get through seven of the pitch into the eighth. But the Yankee offense just could not get it done uh, Dylan Cease had seven walks in five and a third's innings and no runs, seven walks. And I understand that Dylan Cease is a guy, like last year, I think he finished second in the Cy Young. This year, it's been a struggle for him. Like, you got to cash in. You got to cash in. So this game was just ridiculous. The Yankees went one for 12 with runners in scoring position and 13 men left on base. Like, that is just crazy talk. Um, but that's what happened. Um, Lineup-wise, things have kind of been the same. And look, it's, it's, Judge, I guess, is getting better. He ended up playing all three games of the series and was in right field for, for two of them. 
So it seems as if Judge is, you know, there's some normalcy there. He, he, he certainly did better in this series. And again, I think a lot of it is the Astros have his number. He, he, you know, he put up some good stats in this series. But the lineup has generally been what it's been. Uh, you know, Higgy and Warfare, that's a straight platoon. That's a straight, straight up platoon between the two of them. Just because Trevino's out, Warfare's basically picking up that same amount of playing time for better or worse. Um, and then, you know, like I said, LeMahieu ends up kind of getting hurt here. But other than that, like, it's pretty much the same. What'll be interesting is the Yankees finally face a left-handed starter in Lazardo from the Marlins. We'll, we'll preview that. And so that could, you know, we could, we might see a little bit of a different lineup there. Um, so game one, let's finally jump in. The White Sox jump out to an early lead. After the second inning, the Yankees get bases loaded. McKinney walk, LeMahieu walk, Bader walk, and then Volpe, you know, trying to do a little bit too much. I, I think this was a situation where he tried to pull an outside pitch, flies out to shallow left. Then Rortved flies out the shallow left, and then Bowers grounds out to the pitcher on, an act, on a nice play by Cease. We'll talk about Bowers getting robbed a couple times. This time, I, can't, I don't feel bad for Bowers because he didn't hit it well, but Cease did make a nice play on it, and so it remains tied. And then in the second inning, after a walk to Moncada with one out, Andrew Vaughn, homers, his 15th homer of the year, gives the White Sox a 2-0 lead. Uh, in the third, you get a first and second two-out spot where LeMahieu grinds out to the pitcher. Um... You know, and again, just keep in mind, I won't be specific about it, but, you know, Laz Diaz was awful, like, throughout. So, I'm probably only going to bring it up a couple of times specifically, but he was just legit bad at every at every turn you could possibly think of. Even even going back, I think, to that Volpe. Let me see. That Volpe at bat in the second inning I spoke of. Yeah, first pitch. Call the strike. Ball. After he had walked three straight. So, just fucking despicable by Laz Diaz. Who we know is bad. That's the thing. We know Las Diaz sucks. We know C.B. Buckner sucks. We know Angel Hernandez sucks. Like, that's what's frustrating about this. And look, the Yankees are still the one to blame, but man, was that frustrating. Let's go to the, uh, the sixth inning. In the sixth, Brent Honeywell replaces Cease after a one-out LeMahieu single. Bader then singles uh, when Honeywell comes in. Then Volpe singles when, unfortunately... LeMahieu, that's the, you know, LeMahieu's lack of speed. On the Bader single, you wish he went from first to third. He doesn't. And so then on the Volpe single, he would have scored. So stationary base-to-base -base stuff. The Yankees need more athleticism and speed. That's an example right there. Conor Falafa pinch hits for Warford. And even though Conor Falafa has been generally good, like just compared to the rest of the team and expectation, he fucks up. Conor Falafa flies out to shallow right. And with the bases loaded one out, they strand that right there. And then Bowers grounds out, and great play by Andrew Vaughn down the first baseline. Dives, makes the play, and they barely get Bowers out. Just, Vaughn was the player of this game. That's a huge miss opportunity for the Yankees, and so the score remains 2-0. In the seventh, Yankees get chances again. Uh, and, and they got a little bit lucky, where Glaber, it should have been a double play, um, but it ends up being, it's ruled a single, which is, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. But either way, it ends up first and second. Then Stanton walks. So bases loaded, no out. Lane Ramsey comes on, who I think was making his second appearance of his career. I think that was Ramsey. This White Sox bullpen is a mess. Absolute mess. But it really didn't matter much. McKinney sack fly, which is considered productive. And not only that, but the runner advances. Glaber goes from second to third. So you're down one, first and third, one out, and LeMahieu strikes out looking. But it wasn't his fault. Uh, it was not his fault. The first pitch was way outside, and the, and the third pitch was as well. 
Uh, and so that was probably the worst of them all in terms of Diaz was concerned. And then Bader strikes out swinging. And so it remains 2-1. In the eighth, Brian Shaw comes on. This is the inning where Boone gets ejected after Volpe strikes out. Shaw strikes out the side, which was pretty fucked up considering Brian Shaw doesn't get strikeouts. He's a veteran, veteran guy that does not really have strikeout stuff. And then the bottom of the eighth, Cole, they leave him in, which I agreed with, and he gives up a couple of singles, Sheets and Andrews. And so Canely comes on and um, he messes up defensively as Remillard uh, bunts. And that was an obvious situation that he would bunt and Canely bobbles it. So what, what should have been second and third one out ends up being bases loaded, no out. And Andrew Benintendi, the former Yankee, easily gets the sack fly, makes it 3-1. And then the dagger is delivered by Luis Robert. A two-run double makes it 5-1. And then the ninth inning, the Yankees go down. Brian Shaw picks up the two-inning save. And a very, very disappointing loss for the Yanks. Sets this series up in the wrong, wrong way. But game two, it's the winner. I'm calling him the winner lately. Clark Schmidt who went from really getting no run support for a while to seemingly getting a good amount. Clark Schmidt now improves to 8-6 and six on the season, I believe. 8-6. Um, and six. It's just been a good stretch trip. And look, but with that said, he doesn't go deep in games. And so for what Clark's doing, ideally that's more of like a middle to back end of the rotation type of stuff. Maybe that's not fit, like... Because he's putting good numbers, but you need that length. And so right now, he's really a number two. Currently speaking, like I can't put Nestor there. We'll, we'll talk about Nestor when we when we preview the Marlins series. But like Clark is your number two starter right now. And as good as the production is, like I said, him going six innings is kind of a chore. And him going seven is just almost an impossibility. Uh, with that all being said, Clark is one of the few bright spots, Right. You know, like, I guess it's different, but we kind of talk about Connor Falefa being like one of those kind of like, like I, I'll use it again, bright spots on the hitting spectrum. Clark is certainly that pitching wise, you know, and, and, and let's think about this for a quick second. This is how deeply in shambles this, the Yankees rotation is. So it was supposed to be Cole, who's been tremendous. Then Rodon, utter failure in every way you want to look at this year. Then Nestor, which has been bad. Right? I mean, Nestor, when healthy, is, has, had not been great and then was hurt for a while. So for Nestor, as much as I love him, bad. Severino, complete nightmare. Frankie Montaz has not even pitched at all this season. That was supposed to be your five-man rotation. So then what ended up happening was, then you had Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt. Now, the Domingo Herman story has all ups and downs to it. But, like, at least when he was not, you know, drunk in the locker, in, in the clubhouse... You know, there were some good moments. He had a perfect game, whatever. And then Clark Schmidt. So, like, Herman and Schmidt were, like, six and seven. And now Schmidt's, like, your two. So, just to give some perspective, this starting rotation has been an absolute nightmare other than Garrett Cole. There's just no way around it. You know, the one strength, and there were some hiccups, is the is the bullpen's, like, depth. I'm not talking about the Abreus and the Ramirez, but, like, they, they kind of go, like, four, five, six deep. And that is the one redeeming part of this team, you know, besides obviously what Judge was doing when healthy and, you know, we can talk about Glaber you know, having a nice season, but yeah, it's just been really bad. Anyway, Clark Schmidt versus Tukey Toussaint. The Yankees eventually break through, but the funny thing is the Yankees struck out 17 times this game and it's such a crazy stat. The White Sox are like 0-11 or like 0-14. It's either 0-11 or 0-14. Um, no, I think it's 0-11. 0-11. 0-11. 
0-11 this season when they record 14 or more strikeouts as a pitching staff. That is nuts. I don't think any other team is under 500 when that happens. Like, craziness. And yet the Yankees are 2-4 and four versus this fucking White Sox team this season. Just disgraceful. Absolutely fucking disgraceful. So, in this game, LeMayu was out, but I think this was a scheduled day off. Um, I guess we'll never know, but I think this was actually just a regular off day for DJ. Um, so, yeah. Um... Yanks in this one, you know, Clark did a nice job of, you know, throwing up zeros when the Yankees couldn't break through. We won't talk about the times they couldn't break through. We'll talk about when they do. Be a little positive on this one. With one out, Stanton singles, then McKinney singles, and then kind of fluff for a two-run double. Like, again, like, he seems to have some of these, this seems bigger hits this year. Uh, and then I, Harrison Bader with an RBI single. Again, Bader for what he is. And I think there's a big debate to be had there as far as, you know, what does that contract look like for Harrison Bader moving forward? I'd like him back as a center fielder, but it depends what the deal is. Again, he's very injury prone, but but for Bader, he is clutch. And I've always wanted someone like that. Like Bader, you know, while not while far from perfect, really, truly, he is. There are flaws to his game. But, you know, he comes through with an RBI single, makes it 3-0, and then eventually you get a sack fly for Jake Bowers with the bases loaded. So the two sack flies were the McKinney one in game one, and then Bowers in game two. Um, then in the fourth, Luis Robert hits his 31st homer of the year, makes it 4-1, but Schmidt didn't let that deter him. Um, and then, you know, Toussaint goes five innings. They bring on a reliever. Um, in the sixth, uh, a little bit of trouble for Schmidt. They take him out. Michael King does a really nice job. Michael King comes on, and they really pitch King a lot. King ends up going uh, two and two-thirds innings, throws 30... Five pitches. So, you know, it's Schmidt's final line. Five and a third, four hits, one and run, one walk, seven strikeouts. So a really nice looking line for Clark Schmidt. For King, awesome. Two and two thirds, two hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. But it's unfortunate because King would have been so useful for tonight's game three. And I, I guess it was unavoidable. And, and, and look, the Yankees were up for one. You just wished it like, I don't know. Again, that's where you need Clark to, to give you more length. It's just too bad that King simply was not going to be available uh, in this uh, in Game 3. Uh, but either way, King was very good. Uh, and in this role has, at times, put up really just gaudy outings. He hasn't always been consistent, but, like, certainly, I, mean, I think that's, like, that one versus the Cardinals when he was in, like, sort of a bulk spot. Uh, and this one was just great. So he uh, keeps uh, that Yankee lead at 4-1. And then eventually, uh, Kyle Agashioka, as a pinch hitter, hits a two-run homer. Uh, his seventh homer of the year makes it 6-1. And then Aaron Judge homers. His 21st homer of the year makes it 7-1. Yankees. Um, we go to the ninth. And Jonathan Loisega makes a season debut. It looks good. Uh, Loisega 1-2-3 inning, including a strikeout. So good to see Loisega back. Again, that bullpen uh, is looking stronger and stronger. Uh, you know, from Clay. I mean, really, you know, from Clay to Canely to King, to Loisega, to Peralta, to Middleton, to Hamilton. I mean, that's like seven guys right there. Uh, no order to that, but um, there is that. There is that. Uh, and yet still, the Nick Ramirez and Albert Braves of the world seem to be in way too much in semi-big spots. But that's here nor there. Game three. Game three. Ian Hamilton ends up being the opener. And... I wish he had, I mean, it's it's crazy that he only went one inning. It's crazy that he only went one inning. So uh, Mike Clevenger on the mound for the White Sox, and he gave the Yankees problems. He goes six inning, gives up one run, three hits, three walks, six strikeouts, a nice outing for Clevenger. Um, and 
you know, the Yankees really, um, Hamilton should have started the second inning. And I know Boone said, oh, we didn't want Severino to come in the middle of the inning. You didn't have to do that. If Hamilton got in trouble in the second inning, okay, you bring in a reliever. As much as I don't love it, you that's where you bring in Albert Abreu or Nick Ramirez. Again, like, am I in love with that situation? But if you're so dead set on not having Seve pitch in the middle of an inning, and okay, I understand that. It doesn't, like, you still have Hamilton go as long as he can. And they say, oh, well, we might need Hamilton on Friday, which I know is true, but come on, man. He only threw 10 pitches. Like, you really want to avoid Severino as much as you possibly can, so you waste Hamilton for one inning. Is that what you really want? Like, again, that's just faulty. That's just fucking faulty. I, I can't defend that. That's just wrong. So Hamilton, of course, pitches a nice you know, first inning. And his ERA, and I know bullpen ERA is misleading. 1.63. 47 strikeouts and 38 and two-thirds inning. A really nice find in Ian Hamilton. He's really, I mean, and this is like the fifth or sixth guy out of the pen. And, and I really, I, I like what he's done for this team. So... Um, first inning, awful base running by Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers, like as much as like I think he deserves credit and like, has been mostly a positive in terms of what he's provided from a power standpoint from the left side. Um, just between the bad defense and just like what kind of base running is this? Luis Robert, who's a good defender, you know, why are you making the first out of third? You got to stay at second there and, and Bowers is thrown out, flat out. Uh, and then Torres double play. So it could have been a big inning, maybe. And again, the Yankees, you know, they tease, you know, lately and then don't score. So don't get me wrong. It could have went wrong. But with Glaber coming up, and I know he ended up in double play, so maybe it would have been nothing anyway. Still, inexcusable by Bowers there. And so, that, again, that's another thing. Like, the bad base running, that does fall on Boone. You know, that, that definitely does. So in the second inning, Severino comes on and gets just bashed. Bashed. Leadoff double by Moncada. Ground out by Vaughn, RBI single Grandal, two-run homer by Colas. 3-0 White Sox, just like that. Bottom of the third, uh, a one-out single by Robert, steals second, easily off Severino. Uh, a, line, a nice play by Oswaldo Cabrera, who was the shortstop in this game, uh, but Oswaldo was bad offensively. Uh, Oswaldo with a nice defensive play, then Robert steals third, and then an RBI double by Moncada makes it 4-0. So about as bad as it could possibly be for Severino again. Again, um, in the fourth, Yankees get a chance. Walk by Judge, single by Glaber. He eventually ends up at second on a wild pitch, and Stanton only gets an RBI ground out. So, you know, Stanton, even though he homered tonight, he gets the RBI here. There was still, you still wanted more. He was up in a big spot later on and struck out. But here, Stanton had a 3-1 count, RBI ground out to short, no advance for Glaber. And then, and then McKinney flies out and kind of level flies out. So that was underwhelming. Then a leadoff walk to Grandal by Seve, and his night is over. So Severino's final line, two innings, five hits, four on runs, one walk, two strikeouts. His ERA now sits at 8.06. Fucking embarrassing. This has got to be it. Like, like, I don't care what it is. First off, Randy Vasquez needs to be in that rotation staple. Like a staple in that rotation. I don't even give a shit. And he might, he might end up not pitching well. I don't even care, though. That's one thing. And then you figure out another spot. Severino has got to be mop-up. Severino has got to have an Albert Abreu role moving forward. That's just it. So, bottom of the fifth. Um, oh, sorry. Middleton comes on and, and gets out of that. Uh, the, you know, the, after the leadoff walk by Severino. Middleton versus former White Sox team. And Middleton had some choice words to say about the organization. I don't know why he had to say that. 
Um, I didn't love that from a Yankees standpoint. I know I know White Sox fans were kind of happy about Middleton kind of shitting on the White Sox franchise, but like, yeah, you probably didn't have to say that going into the series with the White Sox, but whatever. Um, fifth inning with Middleton on the mound, you get a single by Trace Thompson. He's still second. Um, and then, you know, Glaber, I, I wish that Glaber got more in front of it. I understand it wasn't the easiest ball, but, he, you know, they call an error. And uh, Eloy Jimenez reaches on an error. Trace Thompson scores. And, you know, for Glaber, he needs to, again, he's very nonchalant. You know, it was it was tougher than I originally thought, but still. And look, they called an error, which does say something. This day and age, you know, the official scores don't really give errors. So that makes it 5-1 White Sox. We go to Wandy Peralta comes out in the sixth, does a nice job. In the seventh, Jimmy Lambert uh, really uh, gets hit around. Stanton homers to make it 5-2, his 18th homer of the year. Then McKinney single. Then kind of the single. Then Bader walk. So here's your shot. Here is your chance. Down by three. Bases loaded, no out. And the lefty Aaron Bummer comes on. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, you have Volpe and LeMahieu. We come to find out that LeMahieu's not available. So take LeMahieu out of the equation. So you had a choice of having Volpe pinch it for Cabrera or Bowers. And I don't think it was an obvious decision. It is very unfortunate the way, let's just put it this way, a very unfortunate way it turned out because Bowers' spot didn't come up in the inning. Oswaldo Cabrera, who I think is seen as a better lefty, uh, certainly from an average standpoint. I think he's weirdly shown some more like slug pop as a righty this year, but I think he's been coming up in the in the minors. I think he's more of a lefty. Better there, but just an ugly, ugly at bat for Oswaldo, which is ends up he ends up striking out looking. That's bad. And so that's where you and Volpe, who's better versus lefties than righties, like you kind of wish you had him in that spot. Although I kind of understand the idea of not wanting that Bowers versus lefty. Again, I can't kill Boone there. But it, but let's just put it this way: it did not end up working out in the Yankees' favor. And then Higashioka, an inning-ending double play, and he did it hard. He, he really did, so I can't kill him, but that is very, very unfortunate, and that just kills the momentum completely. Bottom of the seventh, it's a combination of Wandy Peralta and Albert Abreu to put up a scoreless inning in the eighth. Uh, Volpe then pitches for Bowers, and he does walk versus, uh, versus Bummer, so it has you thinking, you know, if he was up in that Cabrera spot, what does happen? And so I, I think you certainly could have went either way with that decision. And then Judge... Um, Gregory Santos comes on, and he's probably the best White Sox reliever currently. Judge lines out um, to Elvis Andrews. Uh, it doesn't line out. It goes off the glove of Andrews, and Volpe was kind of in no man's land, so he ends up getting out on the force at second. I kind of wish that Volpe was playing it a little bit more halfway, but I can't kill him either because, you know, if he gets thrown out at first, that would have been bad. So, again, I guess bad luck there. So it remains uh, right around first. Now one out. Glaber walks, and now stands the tying run. And he strikes out. Bad at bat by Stanton. Um, I know he homered. I know he had an RBI ground out, but you still you're still left wanting more. And then McKitty grounds out. So that was really your last real chance. Eighth inning, it's a combination of mess between Abreu and Ramirez. I'm done with both of them. Um, I think what happens is Vasquez gets called up in all likelihood, and Ramirez gets sent down. But I think as far as Abreu is concerned as well, like I think Abreu like. We can designate him for assignment like at this point, you know, like you, you don't you don't need to keep him around. Like it's just you know, I, I, could I see him eventually like becoming a nice reliever in this league? I actually can, um, but but yeah, there's just no need to like hold on to him the way they do. But um, against the Brayu, Moncada walks, Vaughn singles, Grandal singles, so it's basically sort of no out. 
5-2 game. Nick Ramirez comes on to face Colas. He does get, he actually gets the four set at home, but then with one out, what the Yankees couldn't do, Elvis Andrews, bases clearing, three-run double, makes it 8-2, and then Tim Anderson, RBI single, makes it 9-2, and then the Yankees go down 1-2-3 in the ninth, and they lose it 9-2. Yankees drop to 59-56. They are 1-7-3 in their last 11 series, and now they head to, to Miami to take on a Marlins team that's right in the thick of the National League race. As we speak right now, they sit in that final wildcard spot, but it's a crazy race. And the interesting thing with them is they were playing really, really, really badly coming out of the All-Star break, but they're coming off of two really big wins against the Reds. So, you know, like they will, there will be some level of energy coming from the Marlins again. Last 10 games, you'll get the record three and seven. Last two games, they're two and oh. So it's TBD for the Yankees. It, it might be another like Hamilton opener situation and Vasquez, like we'll see. Either way, Vasquez, I think, is likely to be kind of your main guy. And it'll be against Jesus Lazardo. This is going to be tough. I mean, like I said, the Yankees are better versus lefties, but still, Lazardo is really good. Former Oakland A. Um, like, I look at these pitch matchups, and I think the Yankees are going to have a lot of trouble scoring runs this series in, in a big way. So you got that in game one. Game two, Nestor Cortez. And I want to talk about Cortez versus Sandy Alcantara. And Alcantara, let me see, been better lately. Been a lot better lately. But let me see his... Uh, Post All Star break, yeah, he he he's definitely rounding more into form. Nothing like last year where he was just amazing. And I think Alcantara, well, he was either won the Cy Young or was the runner up. I think he won the Cy Young last year, um, if memory serves. Or or he might have, yeah, he was up there. He was awesome. Um, so that will be tough, even though he's four and ten with a four point two in the Don't let that fool you. Now with Cortez, it sounds like he didn't come out so great out of the last start. So. I think that needs to be said because, look, he could have pitched on Friday. They're pushing back to Saturday. So he's actually pitching on a week, like us. He's pitching on six days rest. Yeah, six days rest. So I think I think Nestor, again, the workload is going to be limited. Maybe it's now like 70 to 75 pitches, 80 tops. So, like, I think with Nestor, they're really slow playing this. I mean, it's good that he's going to be starting, but you got to hold your breath a little bit there. And then Sunday, Garrett Cole versus Yuri Perez. Perez is one of the young, good rookies. Uh, and Perez is 5-4 and four with a 2.79 ERA. Um, and he's got good stuff. Like, he's going to be tough. So I, I think, again, like, Yankees, I mean, you do have Cole on the mound. You do have Cortez. Vasquez, when he's been up, has been, you know, getting the job done. So expect a very low-scoring series in Miami. Before the Yankees take on another NL East team in the Atlanta Braves, the best team in all of Major League Baseball. So again, you know, I, I'm not even going to give you like, oh, the two out of three. So like, it is what it is at this point. Like, you know, we'll see what happens. Expectations are low for me. Um, and one last thing, you know, as bad as 2021 felt, this is a lot worse. And, you know, in 2021, it happens to be that around the same time of the season, maybe slightly off, but, but like early August, the Yankees faced the. It was a. Uh, it was a little bit. Maybe it was like a week earlier. They faced the the Marlins and the White Sox on the road around this time last year. If you remember, the Marlins series was right when they had just acquired Rizzo and Gallo, and that really did give the team like a boost. Um, you know, say what you will. I mean, Rizzo had an amazing beginning with the. You know, like and both of them like really. I mean, we know about Gallo, but really Rizzo as well. Like it's not as if. Their contributions were crazy statistically. 
Gallows was probably a little bit better than when you like from an OPS standpoint. Batting average was just abysmal and strikeouts abysmal. But like both and, and Rizzo, I don't think was as good as people kind of would remember it to be either. But the point was, like it gave you a little bit of life and a little bit of a different look. And so that Marlins series, they swept the Marlins, and then the White Sox, who had that dispiriting Field of Dreams loss where Tim Anderson homered off with Zach Britton in the ninth inning. But then, but then they went to Chicago and they won the two games. So it just it's it's the parallels are interesting. But what I come away with is that the 2021 team, like they were on the ascent. They were ready to go. Even though, like you look back at that, that was not an enjoyable team, but they really hit a nice stretch in August that got them into the playoffs. That's not happening here. And so let's see what happens in this Marlins series, right? Like, will it feel, you know, because it's just, it's not feeling like it did two years ago. You were kind of like grasping at straws, hoping for that. It's simply not happening. So, you know, this is as much of a venting session for me as anything else. But, um, you know, now they head southeast and we'll see where things go in Miami and Atlanta. Not expecting great things. And uh, this, this season continues to get worse and worse. Um, Yankees lose two out of three to the lowly Chicago White Sox. And, you know, this season just, you know, you, you wish it was September, not August. Um, there's still 47 games to go. Yankees sit at 59 and 56. We'll see if anything gets better. I highly doubt it.